This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode 113. You guys, just this week I went to look and see what episode we had coming up for you and was like, oh man, this is quite perfect. Today we're talking about letting go of control. And when I recorded this episode, the world didn't feel like it was on fire. So hopefully these tips and tricks still apply. I was imagining more like, you know, letting go of control when it comes to dictating how your kid gets out of the house or whether or not you put their jacket on them or they put it on, you know, like really was imagining smaller potatoes But now we get to really practice doing this work. I am jazzed to tune into this episode with y'all and feel like we could all use a little practice in letting go of control right now because there's so much in this world with coronavirus making its way around that we don't have control over and that can feed anxiety and put us into a state of survival mode. This work, the practice of letting go, is ongoing work for me and I have really been focused on it over the last couple of years. And to be honest, it is really hard and really life-changing. When I can find myself in a space where I'm clutching how I want things to go or turn out, And can acknowledge that and free myself of the need to figure out when things will happen or how they'll happen or plan them or make sure that they're perfect and exactly the way that I feel like they need to be. When I'm able to recognize that and let go of it, guys, it's so freeing. This work has strengthened every relationship in my life, including the one with myself. I hope that this can serve you in this time of great anxiety and stress and also that you can continue to do the work of letting go of control beyond this season. All right, babes, 
Let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey, babes. I have been sharing on social media about my journey in learning to let go of control, and I've been getting so many questions. So here we are. Now we get to hang out, and I put a call out for your questions specifically on this and got a bunch of responses from you. So I'm jazzed to get to dive in. The thing with control is that it can come up in a bunch of different ways, but it gives us this false sense of security. When we think that we have control, it can make us feel safe. And for me, a lot of control work was similar to anxiety work because the sense of feeling like I'm in control could help me feel less afraid. And we know that anxiety is when you're stuck in fear. So a lot of this work overlaps and we have a full episode on anxiety coming out in about a month. So we're going to go deeper into anxiety, but you might hear a little bit of overlap there. The thing about control is that what we're trying to do is have concrete information. Trusting the unknown and acknowledging the uncertainty is one of the keys to emotional freedom, and it's really stinking hard. (laughs) I, for me... I've had a lot of opportunity to practice this in the last couple of years. I think especially as we navigated pregnancy and miscarriage, it has been a constant practice in letting go of this idea of control that you can control when you get pregnant, right? I thought for so many years I was preventing it with birth control and then went off with birth control and was like, wait, no, now it's supposed to happen. And then with miscarriage, right? This idea that like there's something I could do to help my body stay pregnant and that feeling of responsibility, which also though was like comforting of like, oh, if there's something I can do, then I can make this happen. And then accepting that uncertainty is so hard to say like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know when we'll get pregnant. I don't know how we will become parents. I don't know when. So often we want these concrete things. We want things to be on a certain timeline. We want to know the when, the how. We want it to be black and white of a yes or a no. And accepting the space of I don't know is really hard and makes a lot of people feel really uncomfortable and can spike fear. We know what we can do or what we are capable of, right? So one of the questions that we got was like, oh, I just feel like things will crumble if I'm not in control, but I also hate feeling responsible for all the things. 
And this totally resonates with me. I'm really good at being in control of all the things is a story I used to tell myself. Like everything down to like what type of milk we're buying. Nope, not just the type. Oh, the brand as well, (laughs) right? Like I don't just want oat milk. I want oat milk with this brand and I want this type within that brand. Like goodness gracious, Alyssa. Or asking, trying to like hand stuff off to Zach, but then when it doesn't happen the way that you actually just this morning, I pulled out smoothie stuff and I had to rewash the container because it hadn't been washed enough or correctly. And I found myself like angrily washing it because I'm like, ugh, like if I just, maybe I'm just going to have to wash this myself every time I want it done right. And then I'd be like, well, maybe there's another way to communicate about this. <laughs> but like that, it, I understand that pattern, this idea that if you just do it yourself, it'll be done right. And we also have an episode on the mother mental load that there's research about how much society places on moms and then how moms, especially in a hetero relationship, will take on the mental load of the family, the like scheduling, when's the next pediatric appointment, what childcare are they going to, how are they going to get to and from, what are we doing for after school care, what lunchbox do they have, do they have all their diapers stocked at school, what diapers are they wearing, (laughs) all the things, right, all these things that we end up deciding, and it can feel like you're just in control of all of it, and then you are the designator who hands things off. Part of this we're doing to ourselves because we're afraid that if we don't do it, it won't get done. I have some questions that I ask myself when I feel like I'm stuck in the space of control or the fear of letting go of it, that fear of the unknown or the uncertainty, getting to a place where I could say, yeah, I don't know how we will become parents or when, and truly feeling comfortable with that and not feeling scared or panicky about it of like okay but like getting older what's happening to my eggs and all these like that's where I used to go and I've just realized man you can plan all day and things are going to unfold in ways that I don't have control over and learning to accept that radically changed how I lived my life and now I'm get to recognize it in other areas and continue to do this work. Here are some of the questions that I like to ask myself when I feel like I'm holding on to control. What am I afraid is going to happen? So I had a mom reach out and she was talking about how her kid really needs sensory input, needs to like be going upside down and needs a place where she can really move her body in a way that feels good for her body. And mom was like, but I'm so afraid she's going to get hurt. Like, how does she learn how to flip upside down and not break her neck? Like letting her climb up and knowing there's just a gymnastics mat beneath her, it scares the crap out of me. She's like, how, how does she know when it's too high or when she isn't safe or whatever. So first and foremost is what are you afraid is going to happen? And then what's the likelihood? I asked her, what are the odds that she is going to fall and break her neck? And she was like, well, I don't know, but like it could happen. I was like, sure, of course it could. What could we do 
instead of saying you can't climb here or that's too high when her body's really looking for it, how could we support her in risk management? In us letting go of managing her risk here and teaching her how to manage it. Because there's always something that's happening when we are unable to be flexible. When we can't let go of control, there is another thing that's happening. Sometimes it's that we are then stressed. So then there's cortisol mirroring between us and whoever we're interacting with. Sometimes for me, it could be resentment that... I am taking on all these things and Zach isn't, even though I haven't communicated about them or feel like I can't hand them off because he wouldn't do them my way. It sounds so absurd when I say it out loud, but it's true. Like, and then I would get annoyed with him and that's on me, right? So there are outcomes. So the other thing here with this little girl, if she wants to climb and mom is saying that's too high and not letting her go upside down and get the input that her body needs. Some other things that might be happening, this little girl's not getting the input she needs. From a sensory perspective, then it's going to be really hard for her to regulate emotionally. So you might be seeing more tantrums or emotional expressions. You may then be having a really hard time in relationship with each other because the days might feel really hard if she isn't regulated. And I wonder what being able to go upside down and take those risks would do for her regulation and for your relationship, for you saying like, I trust you to take this risk and I'll teach you how to do it. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. You are up there really high. You're so strong. You climbed all the way up there. I've never seen you do that before. I've never seen you up that high. And I wonder if you went upside down right there, what could happen? What do you think it could happen? Asking her, bringing it back onto the tiny human and helping them learn to look around to say like, oh yeah, if I fell from here, what might happen? Or if I went upside down here, what might happen? Versus, hmm, if I want to go upside down, where could I do that in a way that I feel comfortable, that my body knows how to do? It takes some regulation for us to not just jump in and control the situation and instead to place trust and respect and responsibility into the hands of these tiny humans so that they can learn how to manage their own risk. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for me, Labine, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I wanna show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, 
H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. Hormone Harmony is an all-in-one hormonal balancing solution for women of all ages. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormone changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone Harmony is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put your life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all these things. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code VILLAGE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code VILLAGE for 15% off today. I was getting so many questions from y'all on how to do this, how to put it into practice. What are the steps that you follow in emotion coaching a kid for emotion processing? So I created a totally free for you guide on how to emotion coach these tiny humans. It also has a bunch of visuals in there that can be helpful for you, like the difference between a coping mechanism and a coping strategy, helpful visuals that a lot of you have said like, oh, you made this as an Instagram post and I wish I could hang it in my house. So we threw it in there for you if you are one of those humans who wants to print that off and use it as a reminder for yourself. But head on over to seedandso.org slash emotions to snag the free emotion coaching guide if you want more support on this journey. This trust and respect and responsibility, it goes in so many different ways. Once Zach and I had plans, and it was a Saturday, and we had evening plans and daytime plans, and the daytime plans got canceled. The people we were meeting up with couldn't join anymore. So all of a sudden, we have this free Saturday. And I'm like, jazz, and I'm in my head, and I'm like, great, we can get the laundry done, we can get the dishes done. Like I'm planning all the things that can be knocked off our to-do list. I'm controlling now what our midday is going to look like in my head. Zach's not a part of this conversation. It's all happening in my head. And he's sitting there scrolling on his phone. And then I, as it continues, and I realize he's still sitting there, he's still sitting there. I was like, hey, babe, like, what do you want to do today then? And he was like, oh, I don't know. And had like, just, just chilling. He was just chilling. And I got so angry with him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's just assuming that I'm going to do all these things. And he isn't even thinking of the laundry, or the dishes or whatever. And I then recognized he asked me a question. And I like snapped back at him and I was like, oh, yikes. I've been having a whole conversation in my head that he doesn't know about. And so I was like, all right, I had to work to regulate. And then I told him, hey, bud, I feel like today's a good opportunity now that we're free to knock off dishes and laundry, etc. Which of those would you like to do? He chose dishes. And I was like, cool, cool. So I went and threw in laundry and I'm like moving and grooving and he's still sitting there on his phone. And 
I'm like, oh my gosh, is he really not even going to do the dishes? Like I am fuming inside of me and had to recognize, oh no, my instinct is to do it right away, check it off the to-do list and then hang out. He's going about this a different way. He's still planning to do the dishes, but it's not going to be done on my timeline. And I had to trust that he would get them done before we left the house. And sure enough, dishes were done before we left the house. They were just done a little later than I would have done them. I get to practice this all the time where I get to recognize like, ooh, I had a certain way I would do this. And if I choose to do all the things myself, I will be grumpy. I will be stretched too thin. I will be resentful. I am not a lovely person to be around when I'm stretched too thin and doing all the things myself because I want them done a certain way. Man, is it worth it? Is it worth, does it really matter, Alyssa, at the end of the day, how the towels are folded? I've had so many people um, also in business who I'd be sitting around these tables, we're talking about business and all this jazz, and they would say, like, Lisa, how are you doing all these things? I was teaching full-time and starting Seed and running a podcast and doing research and writing a book and consulting, and people were like, how are you doing all this? And I was like, oh, I'm not doing it by myself. Zach edits the podcast and someone on my team writes the blog post and here are things that Erica helps with and Tara and Rachel and all these people that come in to like take things off my plate. And still to this day, all the time when I'm around a table of women in business, they'll be like, oh, well, I, I couldn't hand that off. Like I have to do that. No one else could interact with my client base or no one else could post on Instagram the way that I post or no one else could edit this picture the way that I do. And what I see is just like so much burnout among women in business. And then I was recently around this table and it was just me and dudes And I got the same question, like, how are you doing all these things? And I started to share the systems that I have in place that help me operate and all the people that come in, all the village members behind the scenes here at Seed that help us run and grow so that I can show up and do things that I love, like hanging out in my DMs and chatting with you or creating Instagram content because I love it or creating online classes for you and tools and resources in this podcast, all these things that I love to do, I want to have the energy and the capacity to do. And so when I'm sharing the things that I don't love to do or that just take up so much of my time that somebody else could do, these dudes were just like taking notes and asking questions like, oh yeah, I could do that here. I could do that there. Not one dude around the table said, Oh, but like only I can do that part of this business. Every single one was like, oh yeah, cool. Like I could apply that here or there. And I started to realize it's coming back to this idea of control still. So I think I, you guys, this might trigger a feeling in you and I'm okay with that. But I think that this is also a gender issue. I think that as women, letting go of control is even harder I think it goes hand in hand with that mental mother load, which we have a podcast on, of like, I need to do all the things. 
here's the thing. (laughs) You can't. And a huge part of this is communication. So I had like a come to Jesus chat with Zach just a couple years into our relationship when I realized like, oh, he's never once cleaned the bathtub or I was the one who drove the car to work. And so I was doing all the things like if there was an oil change, if we ever needed work on the car, grabbing groceries, planning dinner, making dinner, he was working full time and in school full time, but I was working full time and have always, (laughs) always, always, always had a second or third job literally since I was 14 or actually probably 12, I've had multiple jobs so that I could afford to live. And yet I still was carrying all these things. And I remember being on vacation and he was in his master's full time and he was working full time. And I just felt like, ooh, but while we're on vacation is like a time where we can find a spot where we're both calm and I can have this conversation. These conversations are never fun. They're always uncomfortable. And I will often start them saying like, hey, I'm not looking forward to talking about this and I feel uncomfortable or nervous, but I think it's really important that we talk about it because I am like holding on to some feelings that I need to chat through. And I was just like, babe, I'm feeling like I'm doing most of the things to run the household. And I'm sure there's stuff that you're doing that I don't notice either. And so I just feel like we need to chat, like I need to break down what are the things that are necessary to run our household and have a conversation about them. Even if you're not in a season where you can take on more, I think I just like the acknowledgement too of like, oh, thanks so much for cleaning the tubs. I've never thought to do that. <laughs> yeah. I it, So we had this chat. And what I realized in this was he said, he was like, oh, I didn't realize like all, he he truly didn't realize all the things that it took to run the household. I had just taken them on. And we start, this was again, early on, but we started this conversation and he was like, oh yeah, I can take on this. I can take on that. And then came that practice of me first was letting go of control of like, oh, I don't have to do all this. So conversation number one. Then when he said, oh, I could take on X, Y, and Z, then it was me letting go of when or how it would happen. I might let him know like, okay, babe, like, thanks so much for doing the laundry. I need something that's in there by Thursday. Does it work for you to have it done by Thursday or by Wednesday or whatever? But like communicating what timeline I needed it to be on, truly needed, not wanted, but truly needed it to be on. And then trusting that he would meet that expectation. That's the part that for me is the hardest in the letting go of control. It's the trust. It's the trust that he's going to do it. And that, and knowing it's not going to be perfect, right? There are times he won't do it. There are times that I'm not perfect. And when we aren't perfect, when we don't meet those needs, when I have asked him to do something and he forgot about it, then me saying like, hey, babe, have you been able to get that letter in the mail. And he's like, oh, shoot, I totally forgot. That's okay. Like, is there something that I can do to be helpful at this point? Or can you get it in the mail today? And typically at that point, he's like, I can get it in the mail today. And in that moment, I'm not usually calm enough to talk about like, what could we do differently next time? But then later we'll come back together and I'll just be like, hey, is there a system that we could put into place? Like reminders on our phones or is there something like shared Google calendar thing? What would be helpful 
for us moving forward so that we just don't have the same mistakes over and over. And sometimes this is me. Sometimes it's him asking me these questions or me coming to him and saying like, man, I'm really sorry I dropped the ball on that earlier. I am trying to figure out how I could have a system that runs more smoothly so that I'm not trying to keep track of it all in my head. Do you have any thoughts like what's helpful for you? And we'll just have these conversations like once we're calm and it's later. I think a huge part of this when you're letting go of control and you're handing it off to a partner is that compassion piece of it does not to be perfect. I won't be perfect either. And I trust that your intentions are good. Like, I don't think he was like, oh, I'm just going to not mail that letter. (laughs) Right? Like, he wasn't coming from a place of trying to, like, sabotage my thing. He just forgot. And so I'm more interested in, and we do this on our team for Seed all the time, all the time. As we've grown, I mean, we get so many emails every day. We get so many messages. There's so much content that we're working on creating and putting out and whatever. So a lot of moving parts, a lot of people. We don't have a home office. Everybody works remotely. And so it's a lot of communication about systems. Like, okay, if it, what could we create that would be helpful so that you don't have to keep track of all this information in your head so that there's a spreadsheet for it or there's a reminder system or what could we create? so that we can let go of that control of keeping track of it all in your head from an information standpoint. And accepting there will be unknowns. Always, 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 always there will be unknowns. It was so interesting when I had gotten pregnant, I went from the unknown of when will we get pregnant? How is this going to happen? Will we have to go through fertility treatments? Like we've done so many things, acupuncture and all this. The unknowns of like, when will this happen? How will it happen? Two, peed on a stick. Now I have a known, but then went through the unknowns of when will morning sickness start? And then when will morning sickness stop? Will I be able to stand up today without throwing up? Wonder what I'll be able to eat today. Who's this kid going to be? What's our child care going to look like? I wonder how the birth is going to go. Like the unknowns didn't stop. They just changed. There will always be unknowns. And this idea that you can control yourself, control the situation Enough that there won't be unknowns is not true. They just change. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. 
On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Okay, now let's talk about unknowns and kids, because this was another thing that we got a lot of questions about, like, how do we let kids have options and choice while we're still in control of their safety, holding boundaries, etc.? So I like to operate under choice theory. Under choice theory, we're going to give kids two choices. I think it's really important for kids to have choices, but I think we often give them too many choices or we offer up the two choices and then we don't stick to that. So for instance, you can turn off the TV or I will turn it off when I reach five. When I say five, I'm going to turn it off, even if they say they want to do it themselves, because I've given them the choice of you turn it off or when I say five, I'll turn it off. And now if they say, no, I'm going to do it myself, and I let them, and I say, okay, go ahead, and then what if they don't do it? Now they're sitting just like looking at me, and then I end up in this battle of like, okay, then I'm going to go do it, and then they start screaming, and we end up going back and forth. Instead, I just want to let them know very clearly and concretely, here are the two choices. You can climb into your car seat, or I can pick you up and put you in your car seat then I need to pick them up and put them in their car seat whenever the time limit is up, right? Like I was saying, part of the expectation, part of the letting go for adults is knowing like what the timeline is going to be. So like if I said, if Zach said he's going to do the dishes and my expectation is that he does them before we leave for our evening activity, but he doesn't know that, then we could leave and I would be, annoyed and upset and I come home and there's still dishes in the sink and then he does them the next day and in his mind like yeah I did the dishes and then and I was annoyed right so a huge part of this is making sure that kids have the time frame I love visual timers here because they if they can tell time on a clock, great. If not, like giving them some sort of visual. So a clock could be the visual or it could be a sand timer. It could be a timer on your phone. It could be setting the microwave timer. It could be counting, but letting them know by when, right? If I say you can climb into your car seat or I can pick you up and put you in your car seat, their timeline for climbing into their car seat could be different than the timeline for me picking them up and putting them in. I don't think it's fair or respectful to not use visual aids and timers. In the same way that I don't think it's fair for me to be annoyed with Zach about not doing the dishes on my timeline if I didn't communicate the timeline. If I need the laundry done by Thursday, but I didn't tell him like, oh, I need a shirt that's in that laundry by Thursday. And so he doesn't have the laundry ready. And now I'm annoyed that he didn't do what he said he would do. 
by my timeline that I didn't communicate, that's not fair. It's not kind and respectful communication. And so for kids, I think one of the huge things for the like letting go of control and giving them control is giving them control with concrete boundaries. You can turn off that TV or I will turn it off when I reach five, lets them know, okay, if I really want to turn it off, I can do it. Or when they say five, they're going to turn it off. And then you have to follow through with that. When when they are now saying that they want to do it themselves, I'm going to let I'm going to turn it off and let them know, oh, you really want to do it yourself. How can I help you feel calm so we can talk about this? I'm not right now going into like, well, you should have turned it off then before I said five. Like, no, that's not helpful or kind. I'm going to offer to help them feel calm and let them know that when they're calm, we can talk about it. And then once they're calm, then I'll say, yeah, man, you really want to turn it off. When I say five, I'm going to turn it off. And so next time, if you want to do it by yourself, you can turn it off before I say five. We can have that conversation once they're calm. Would you rather put your Lego castle on the table for tomorrow or put the Legos back in the bin? It's also okay for them to express frustration or disappointment for the choices that you offered. They're allowed to feel hard things. It doesn't have to be a choice that they want. Like maybe the choice they want is, no, I don't want to go to bed. I want to stay up and keep building my Lego castle. And that's not a choice. The choices are, would you rather put your Lego castle on the table for tomorrow or put the Legos back in the bin? And again, I would then give them a timeline. I'm going to set the timer on the microwave. When it goes off, I'm going to put your Lego castle up on the table for tomorrow unless you decide you want to put them in the bin. And then we're going to go upstairs or whatever for bedtime, whatever's happening next. But I want to give them two choices. I think it's helpful for kids when we identify when they're looking for control and let them know that. Oh, it feels like you really want to control how we're going to do this. You want to control who's going to sit next to you at the table. I wonder if you were trying to connect to that person. I wonder if sitting next to them makes you feel safe. Helping kids build awareness for this stuff that, man, so many of us are trying to build now as adults, I think can be so, so, so helpful. You can find where your limits are and set them. So often we'll see kiddos pushing and pushing and pushing a boundary and we might, it might seem like they're looking for control, but really what they're looking for is where and when are you going to hold the boundary? So be prepared for that as well. And then make sure you are mindful of when you are projecting your fears onto them. It is wild how many times I get DMs of like, oh, I just understand where my daughter's coming from because she is me. Like, I just get it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, she might have a lot of the same patterns that you have, or you might have the same temperament, but maybe the traits that you're seeing or the fears that you're seeing, she's learning from you, right? So being able to take a step back and identify like, ooh, I'm projecting this fear onto her. I'm going to regulate so that then I can show up for her in a different way. We had someone ask about controlling, like trusting childcare and other providers, like controlling how they interact with your kiddo. I think this is huge. It's so crucial because if you don't trust the people you're leaving your kid with, your kid won't feel safe there. 
they won't. They'll know that you don't trust this person and they won't feel safe in that environment. And so a huge part of them feeling safe and comfortable and able to explore and grow and develop in that space is your comfort with them being there. Other care providers do not have to respond the same way that you do. Every human needs one person they can turn to whose feelings they don't feel responsible for. You can be that person and other people don't have to. If you know that your child is safe, if you feel like, all right, yeah, they're safe here and they just might not be responded to in the exact way I would want all the time, it's okay. It's okay if other caregivers aren't that human for your child. It's really powerful for you to be that person. It's okay if your partner or your in-laws or the childcare providers aren't filling that space. It's okay if your tiny human doesn't have a relationship of vulnerability with them as long as they have one person, just one, babe. That's There's research to support this. They need one human who they feel safe and comfortable with, whose feelings they don't feel responsible for, and that can be you. So as long as you know your kiddo's safe in that other environment, then it's letting go of the fact that sometimes they're going to be responded to differently, and that's okay. It's an opportunity for conversation a lot. When they're sharing stories with you, and you can ask them like, oh, how did it feel when she said that? Hmm, I wonder what you could say next time. How could you advocate for yourself? It's a fun word to teach young kiddos how to advocate for themselves. If you are leaving this and you're ready to start doing this work of letting go of control, first, it's awareness. It's recognizing where you are asserting control or where you're feeling like you cannot let go of control. Once you build that awareness and you recognize it, then it's pausing to breathe, to regulate before you then ask yourself those questions. What am I afraid will happen? What's the likelihood? What is happening right now when I'm asserting control that is an unintended consequence because I'm not able to be flexible? And then I would build in some mantras for grounding yourself. Some mantras that help you feel calm, that remind you in the moment of the source here. This could be... It doesn't all need to be done my way. Or if I try to do it all, I won't show up as the person I want to be. It's okay for there to be unknowns. There will always be unknowns. That's my go-to. Because I had convinced myself that if I controlled it, then I would. there would be knowns. I would know that I could take care of it. And it's not true. There were always other unknowns. That was the anxiety talking. All right, babe, practice noticing before you try to change. Stay tuned for our upcoming episode on anxiety and for our new online class coming this spring on how to do this work yourself. We talk a lot about how to build emotional intelligence in kids. I'm outlining in a full online course for you how to do this work every single day to live a calmer, more aware, and regulated life. This work has changed my life. It has changed my ability to accept the unknown, 
to be more present, to be calmer, to be in a happier partnership, to be a better communicator. I go through life more regulated and less triggered because of this work, and I'm here to share it with you, babe. So stay tuned. That class is coming out this spring for you. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.